Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Real Matters Second Quarter 2021 Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Ms. Lynn Burgard, Vice President of Investor Relations. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Real Matters Financial Results Conference Call for the second quarter ended March 31st, 2021. With me today are Real Matters Chief Executive Officer Brian Lang and Chief Financial Officer Bill Herman. This morning before market opened, we issued a news release announcing our results for the three and six months ended March 31st, 2021. The release, accompanying slide presentation, as well as the financial statements and MDNA are posted in the investors section of our website at realmatters.com. During the call, we may make certain forward-looking statements which reflect the current expectations of management with respect to our business and the industry in which we operate. However, there are a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors that could cause our results to differ materially from our expectations. Please see the slide entitled Caution Note Regarding Forward-Looking Information in the accompanying slide presentation for more detail. You can also find additional information about these risks in the Risk Factors section of the company's annual information form for the year ended September 30th, 2020, which is available on CDAR and in the Investor Relations section of our website. As a reminder, we refer to non-GAAP measures in our slide presentation, including net revenue, net revenue margins, adjusted EBITDA, and adjusted EBITDA margins. Non-GAAP measures are described in our NDNA for the three and six months ended March 31st, 2021, where you will also find reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Brian. Brian? Thank you, Lynn, and, uh, and good morning, everyone. And thank you for joining us on the call. I will kick things off today by discussing some of the highlights of our second quarter. Bill will then take a deeper dive into our segment financials, and I'll wrap up the call with some brief remarks prior to taking questions. We were very pleased with how the business performed in the second quarter. We delivered strong financial results, and I'm also delighted to report that we went live with our first Tier 1 lender in U.S. title, marking the achievement of a significant milestone in the execution of our long-term growth strategy. We've crossed that chasm into the largest market segment in title with the launch of this client. And we are now live in title with one of the largest banks by asset size in the U.S. I want to take this opportunity to thank the team for their hard work in getting us here. As you know, it's been a multi-year journey to get to this point. The Tier 1 lenders represent a focal point of our long-term strategy, giving their size and strength. Continuing to grow our title client base and market share within the segment will be key to achieving our fiscal 2025 objectives. Turning to slide three, consolidated net revenue increased 29.8% year-over-year to $46.7 million, 
And adjusted EBITDA was up 30.2% to $19 million, driven by very strong growth in our U.S. title segment. In the second quarter, the 10-year Treasury yield rose roughly 80 basis points, while 30-year fixed mortgage rates climbed approximately 50 basis points as spreads tightened. Despite this move in interest rates, we continued to see a robust mortgage origination market in the second quarter, and both of our business segments in the U.S. outperformed the market as a result of year-over-year market share gains and new client additions. U.S. appraisal segment revenues increased 7% year-over-year to $76.3 million, driven by higher market volumes, market share gains, and new client additions, which together drove higher origination revenues. The increase in origination revenues was offset in part by a 34.3% decline in other revenues, which represent home equity and default transactions. Origination-only revenues were up 12% year-over-year compared with an estimated 10.7% increase in the addressable market, which takes into account the impact of veteran affairs volumes as well as waivers. In the quarter, we launched two new lenders in U.S. appraisal. We also continue to rank at the top of our lender scorecards, which drove market share gains in the main origination channel year-over-year. Operational excellence continues to be our principal focus as we drive toward achieving our fiscal 2025 objectives of doubling our U.S. appraisal purchase and refinance market share at the midpoint of the range. In our U.S. Excuse me, in our US title segment, second quarter revenues rose 30% year-over-year. Growth in our centralized title operations continued to outpace the market, with revenues increasing 78.4%, compared to an estimated 71% increase in refinance market volumes. The significant increase in centralized title revenues was partially offset by a $5.1 million decline in diversified title revenues and a $1.7 million decline in other title revenues, which represent home equity and real estate-owned transactions. As we've noted in previous quarters, we've been focusing our workforce and attention in our centralized title operations due to its significant growth and have reallocated a portion of our diversified employee base to service this growth. As we outlined in our investor day last fall, we intend to more than triple our U.S. title refinance market share to 6 to 8% by the end of fiscal 2025 from 2% today. In line with our strategy, in the second quarter, we went live with our first Tier 1 lender in U.S. title and launched three other new lenders. Our sales pipeline continues to be strong, and we remain confident in our ability to launch new clients in title. In our Canadian segment, second quarter revenues were up 65.6% year-over-year, and adjusted EBITDA increased to $1.3 million from $0.8 million in the second quarter of fiscal 2020. Higher appraisal volumes from increasing market share with certain Canadian clients, a stronger mortgage origination market in Canada, and foreign exchange were partially offset by modestly lower revenues from insurance inspection services due to COVID-19. With that, I'll hand it over to Bill. Bill? Thank you, Brian, and good morning, everyone. Turning to slides four and five for a closer look at our financial results. Consolidated revenues were up 17.5% in the second quarter of fiscal 2021, 
compared to the same quarter last year due to significant revenue growth in our U.S. title segment and continued growth in Canadian and U.S. appraisal segment revenues. In our U.S. appraisal segment, we service higher origination volumes from higher market volumes, market share gain, and new client additions. Conversely, revenues related to home equity and default volumes declined year over year. Transaction costs in our U.S. appraisal segment increased 10.7% year over year, compared to the 7% increase in revenues to the same period. As a result, net revenue was down 4.4% to $16.6 million, and net revenue margins declined 260 basis points to 21.8% from the 24.4% we posted in the same period last year. Due in part to the mix of mortgage origination volumes serviced and appraiser onboarding to service higher volumes, which was partially offset by servicing fewer low-margin home equity volumes. Property expenses in our U.S. appraisal segment increased 5.3% to $7.4 million, up from $7 million in the second quarter of fiscal 2020 due to higher payroll and related costs from higher origination volume service. As a result, adjusted EBITDA declined to $9.2 million from the $10.4 million in the second quarter of fiscal 2020. Adjusted EBITDA margins in our U.S. appraisal segment decreased to 55.5% in the second quarter of fiscal 2021 from the 59.5% we posted in the same quarter last year. Turning to our U.S. title segment, second quarter revenues were up 30% year-over-year as the 78.4% increase in centralized title revenues was partially offset by a 71.7% and 56.8% decline in diversified and other revenues, respectively. As we mentioned on prior calls, the reduction in diversified title revenues is part of our planned reallocation of resources to support the growth of our centralized title operations. Transaction costs decreased 13.3%, and net revenue margins expanded to 70.6%, up from the 55.9% we posted in the second quarter of fiscal 2020. The expansion in net revenue margins was due to the flow of volumes in the second quarter, which saw us close more transactions relative to the new orders we received. As Brian mentioned earlier, we launched our first Tier 1 lender in U.S. title during the second quarter. However, given that the client launched late in March, this launch had no impact on our second quarter revenues and very little impact on transaction costs in the quarter. Operating expenses in our U.S. title segment increased 5.1 million to 15.3 million in the second quarter of fiscal 2021. The year-over-year increase in operating expenses is due to the capacity you've seen us building for several quarters now to service higher volumes and to support a Tier 1 client launch. Operating expenses in the second quarter are consistent with the expense and investment we reported in our first quarter this year. We are confident in our current level of investment to support our existing customer base. Adjusted EBITDA increased to 13 million in the second quarter of fiscal 2021, up from the 7.1 million we posted in the same quarter last year. And adjusted EBITDA margins increased 480 basis points to 46.1% as a result of higher net revenues and net revenue margins, 
partially offset by our ongoing investment to build capacity for growth in our U.S. title business. We remain confident in our ability to achieve adjusted EBITDA margins of 50 to 55 percent by the end of fiscal 2025. In Canada, revenues increased 65.6% on a year-over-year basis to 12.4 million, while net revenue margins contracted by 360 basis points due to reduction in insurance inspection services as a result of COVID-19 and the mix of mortgage origination volume serviced. Canadian segment operating expenses were 0.5 million in the second quarter, down 7% from the second quarter of fiscal 2020. Adjusted EBITDA margins increased to 70.6% from 58.3% in the same quarter last year as we leveraged our appraisal operations in a higher overall volume environment and incurred modestly lower travel and entertainment expense due to COVID-19. In total, second quarter consolidated net revenue increased 29.8% to $46.7 million, up from the $35.9 million reported in the second quarter of fiscal 2020 and consolidated net revenue margins increased to 36.2% in the second quarter of fiscal 2021, up from 32.8% in the second quarter of fiscal 2020, due in large part to the contributions made by our U.S. title business. As a result of our solid operating performance, consolidated adjusted EBITDA was $19 million in the second quarter of fiscal 2021, up from the $14.6 million in the same quarter last year and consolidated adjusted EBITDA margins increased modestly to 40.7% in the second quarter of fiscal 2021 versus the 40.6% we posted in the second quarter of fiscal 2020 due to higher revenues and net revenue margins in our U.S. title segment, which was partially offset by capacity investments we made in both our U.S. title and U.S. appraisal segment to service higher volumes and to support the launch of our first Tier 1 client in title. These investments were partially offset by lower travel and entertainment expense as a result of COVID-19. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the quarter with cash and cash equivalents of $129.2 million, which was on par with our cash balance at September 30, 2020. Cash from operations of $18.3 million was partially offset by share purchases under our NCIB totaling $8 million in the quarter. In the first two quarters of fiscal 2021, we spent nearly $27 million on share purchases under our NCIB, which is higher than the $17 and $20.2 million we spent in fiscal 2020 and fiscal 2019, respectively. In the quarter, we purchased approximately 594,000 shares at a cost of $8 million. Post-quarter end, we purchased roughly 250,000 additional shares under our NCIB. With that, I'll turn it back to uh, back over to Brian. Brian? Thanks, Bill. So in summary, we posted excellent financial results in the second quarter, and we achieved a major strategic milestone for the company with the launch of our first Tier 1 lender in title. With U.S. mortgage rates hovering around 3%, we continue to believe that these conditions are supportive to mortgage market dynamics. That said, we continue to take a long-term view on the business. Since the company's founding in 2004, we have seen our way through multiple peaks and troughs in the mortgage market. Our commitment to driving operational excellence and driving market share has been the underpinning of our success. 
And we continue to manage our business through that lens because we believe that the true value of our business will be realized by building a business that can weather the peaks and valleys and thrive over the long term. Market share remains the most important metric and growth driver of our business. It's how we measure our success internally. It's how our clients reward us for a job well done. And ultimately, what will drive our financial performance outside of how the U.S. mortgage market performs. Ultimately, our plan is to double our U.S. appraisal market share and triple our U.S. title market share by the end of fiscal 2025. And we remain confident in our ability to achieve those objectives. With that, operator, we'd like to open it up for questions now. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And your first question is from the line of Thanos Mochopoulos from BMO Capital Markets. Hi, good morning. Um, so we've obviously seen a, a deceleration in refi activity uh, for these applications uh, for the NBA data in recent weeks. Um, so maybe if you can expand in terms of, um, you know, how that's impacting um, the business. And then in terms of how you, your customers are responding, I guess what I find confusing is that even with rates where they are, there still seems to be a very large population of, of potentially refiable mortgages. So um, I guess what's your take on why we've seen a slowdown and um, how might the lenders be able to mitigate that? Thanks, Thanos. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's still an incredibly strong market. I mean, um, Recent Goldman's report suggests that uh, 50%, over half of, uh, of mortgages in the U.S. right now are in the money for, for refinance. So we think there's still a, a tremendous amount of opportunity out there um, in the refinance space. Uh, as well, as you know, we've got uh, the purchase spring market starting to take hold. And uh, from analyst reports, that we've seen, it looks like that's going to be a, a very positive impact on Q3 and Q4. Um, so I think I think there's lots there. We also think that um, that there's an opportunity uh, that's coming in the spring summer where we think the some of the key lenders will start pushing the, the marketing and uh, and reaching out to more customers. So um, we think there's still a, a very robust pipeline of opportunity uh, in the space with rates sitting as they are right now, hovering around uh, 3%. Okay. Um, I appreciate that you can't um, disclose who the Tier 1 is, but is there anything you can say maybe in terms of uh, what their overall market share looks like, just to kind of frame it? Well, I think what we said uh, was that this was a bank that has uh, sort of uh, one of the largest banks by asset size uh, in the U.S. So that, I think, hopefully lets you know that it's it's one of the very top banks in the mortgage space. In terms of the pace to ramp, I mean, um, I realize it's kind of early days, um, but, I mean, how might this look relative to, you know, your experience with um, some of your appraisal ramps? I mean, we've obviously seen that over a couple of years you've been able to get to, you know, north of 20% or 30%, I think, even with uh, some of your tier ones. What would be the dynamic um, here, or is it really too early to say at this point? Well, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a month. Um, again, very enthusiastic month for us. So we are definitely seeing, uh, seeing the volume come on and, and working against the KPIs to make sure we're performing. 
Um, and longer term, I think what we talk about, uh, Thanos, is in the first year, our goal is to get to, to 5 to 10% uh, market share. So that's our goal here. And, uh, and so we'll keep working on this tier one and, of course, continue conversations with the other tier ones uh, so that we can, we can look to continue to keep that sales pipeline moving through. And, and we think with the, the launch of this first one, we think that definitely provides some reinforcement. Great. And just last one for me, um, any, any change in terms of the uh, waiver dynamic relative to last quarter? Uh, no. So yeah, the, the waivers uh, pretty well capped out where, where we suggested they were. There's actually been a slight decline in the refi uh, waivers, 47 to 44%. But generally, it's as we've, we've predicted uh, and as we were, we'd planned for. Yes. Great. Everything comes off the line. Thanks. Appreciate the questions. Hello. Operator, if you can please take our next question. And your next question is from the line of Robert Young with Canon Core Genuity. Hi, good morning. Uh, maybe just continuing on the, uh, the Tier 1 uh, title win discussion. Um, now that that's public, um, uh, how do you expect that that news will um, impact um, you know, the pipeline of uh, other business in, amongst other Tier 1s, uh, the Tier 2s? Uh, just the broader opportunity for you in the title business. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate the question. Yeah, no, so I, I think this helps really reinforce uh, the, the sales conversations that we're having. So we, we let folks know last quarter that uh, we are in sales conversations with the majority of the Tier 1s. And so I think us now being able to announce that we have a Tier 1 going, I think that uh, only supports and reinforces those conversations. And it also, of course, helps our conversations as we look further down to the, the sort of big Tier 2s. So, uh, so we think it's, it's a real plus, real positive, Rob. And, um, and it's definitely continuing to move those, those conversations going that are in the sales pipeline. Okay. And then the, um, the title business has a, has a lag, a 45-day lag, you've said. So the, the economics for this Tier 1 won't show up until... Um, I guess the current quarter. I think you said it started a month ago. So was that a month before the quarter end or a month ago as of today's date? You know, so it ended right at the end of, of Q1. So, you know, a little bit more than a month uh, from now ago. So it's, it's sort of right at the end of March. So uh, that will kick in. And uh, to your point, Rob, that's where we'll see with that 45 delay, we'll start seeing revenue hit halfway through the, uh, the quarter this, this quarter. And the uh, the cap capacity increase for that that would have fallen largely in uh, the Q2 or uh, where where should we expect that to ramp up? So I think capacity by that you mean opex for managing that? Well, both opex, but also the uh, I guess the net revenue margin you have to expand the um, uh, I guess the uh, the network. Yeah, no. So continue to invest. So I think we've done uh, a, a very good job. I think in getting our uh, capacity up, both capacity for us and capacity on the network uh, over the past quarter as we continue to ramp out of Q1. So we think we'll, we'll hold steady there, Rob. We think we've made the, the right investments to, uh, to prepare ourselves to make sure we're doing what we need to do around the Tier 1s, 
as well as of course the rest of the the customer base. So so that we feel is in in, uh, in good shape. And uh, on the net revenue side, that has more to do with mix, as you know, uh, and and what we call the timing piece, Rob, on the the flow. So. Um, so we we had an incredible, as you know, uh, net revenue and, and EBITDA round title in Q2, and so that will be slightly different in in Q3, but uh, but it'll it'll continue to be very strong and, you know, uh, above our or or within our targets, our long-term five-year targets of 60 to 65 percent around net revenue margin. Okay, and then in the appraisal business, um, you're still taking share uh, and growing that business despite the wavering, and so. Uh, as you look forward over the next year, I think you said it's playing out relatively as you'd expected. Um, just as you look at the, um, you know, the risk that the GSCs are taking on with this higher level of, of wavering, or is there any insight you can give, you know, given your industry involvement around, you know, the, the the appetite for this wavering in the industry? Maybe any any color around that would be helpful. And then I'll pass the line. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I think you you started with. Um, the market share piece, so uh, aligned with you there. We think the market share uh, continues to grow and is is, uh, is very healthy. So positive uh, growth above the market this past quarter, and we continue to expect that going forward. And um, around uh, waivers, I guess, in the future, we continue to think that that will uh, slowly track down over time. The, the, the change that's coming in now is the mix. So we're definitely going to see a higher proportion of purchase volume coming in. Uh, some of the big tier ones have opened back up um, into uh, cash out refi. So that mix will definitely uh, evolve this quarter and the next. And so we just assume that that will uh, slowly take that overall waiver rate uh, down. Rob. Okay, thanks. And your next question is from the line of Daniel Chan with TD Securities. Oh, yeah. Thanks for taking my question. Sure, Dan. Morning. Did we lose Your line is open. <laughs> Paula, your line is open. Mr. Chan, your line is open, sir. Okay, maybe we may have lost him. So, yeah, yeah we may move, move on, on to the next now. question, please. Okay, you want to move on, sir? Okay. And your next question is from the line of Martin Toner with ATB Security Capital Markets. Morning, guys. Thanks very much for taking the call. Um, at the risk of being repetitive, here, I want to ask about the tier one volumes. Um, can you talk about um, the rate at which uh, volumes have been ramping up? Uh, over the quarter, and you, I believe in appraisal, things started, um, the first Tier 1 started with a triple and built from there. Um, did the Tier 1 in title start at a higher level? And just, just what can you tell us about uh, the rate at which volumes are ramping? Sure. So, so Martin, it has been, uh, I think we're on week five now. So it's still it's still a little bit early to make a, a long-term prediction off of uh, the first five weeks, but uh, you know our expectations continue to be as we laid out um, and as we, we've experienced on the appraisal side that the first year we're still targeting five to ten percent market share with uh, with our tier one. 
I think we're doing a great job. The team's doing a great job. I think uh, we're seeing already in the, as I say, in the first five weeks, the, the, um, the way in which we're processing the operational uh, execution, I think, is, is, is very sound. So that's, I think, the way we're looking at it right now. We will continue to, to perform, and we assume that we will continue to grow that share uh, in our first year. Super. How long does it take to demonstrate performance with any one lender? Well, I mean, there's, there's, of course, nuance between the lenders, but it, in the first few months, you definitely, uh, Martin, start seeing uh, how, you, how you are performing. You, uh, some of the lenders do scorecards monthly. Sometimes they do them quarterly. But, I mean, we, we of course, are keeping a very close eye on performance uh, day in, day out with, uh, with new, new partners that we bring on, uh, especially a Tier 1. Um, so... You know, we're monitoring it, of course, day by day. They are monitoring probably more on a monthly basis. So it takes a few months to get uh, to, to sort of get on, on the same page, make sure we're delivering against the, the expectations. Great. And um, when COVID started and rates plummeted, we saw lenders trying to slow down the rate at, at, at which people refinanced. Uh, there was a large spread between uh, the 30-year and bond rates. Uh, do you see that uh, reversing as rates uh, have sort of popped up here? Well, we're definitely seeing the the spread uh, come down, Martin, for sure, from from where it was before. And the banks have, of course, been building up uh, capacity. So uh, there's still room for uh, we think, anyways. There's still fairly fairly decent room uh, within the spread, but but definitely the spread has moved itself down and. As I stated a little earlier, we think uh, the competition will start ramping up um, now that um, net with, with a little bit of rate impact. We think that's when the lenders start uh, start ramping up their, their competitiveness. So we, we ex- assume there'll be some more marketing activity that we see coming out over uh, this quarter and next. Is there any price pressure anywhere in your business? No. I mean, there's no material price pressure. There, there's, it's pretty complex uh, state by state. And so um, the the big lenders, especially, they want to keep things very consistent, Martin, across the different vendors that they uh, that provide their services. So, no, there's there's very little fee discussions or fee uh, material fee fee changes. Awesome. And last question: um, Does home equity ever come back? Um, you know, uh, price appreciation of residential real estate in the U.S. has been quite high. And I mean, people are bombarded with advertisements uh, regarding what they can, where they can invest their money. Yeah. So, so listen. I mean, it's it's uh, there are natural cycles to to these sorts of things. So, uh, I, yes, of course, home equity. At some point, um, people will look at at uh, potentially taking out more equity. We know that uh, folks have been fairly fortunate from a, a government support standpoint. So, um, that therefore, we've seen home equity go down quite a bit. But we're even seeing right now, Martin, uh, some of the big players who actually put cash out on hold have, have opened cash out, refinanced back up. So, they're now seeing that there, there is that opportunity to, uh, to provide more um, equity to folks that want to take some money out of their, their, uh, their home. Great. Thanks for that. And, uh, I have no other questions. Okay, thanks, Martin. Appreciate it. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star one to ask a question.
And your next question is from the line of Richard T.C. with National Bank Financial. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, I guess well, last time we chatted, I guess uh, we talked about uh, the biggest concern around scaling on the title side was this uh, notion of load balancing. And uh, you've obviously made some investments to sort of fortify um, any risk from that standpoint. So uh, in the very early days, um, are you feeling pretty well positioned uh, given what you've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, that, thanks. That's a that's a really good question, um, Richard. So we we have, I think we've we've made the investments. So you can see that we've made fairly significant investments in the title business in in order in in, in preparation for exactly where we are now. So we we think we've made the right investments. And as we talk about looking forward, we we think we've got what we need right now um, to get uh, the tier one up in the position we need, I think from a performance standpoint, as well as move along, you know, we, we announced last quarter, a, a fairly significant tier two that we'd, we'd uh, launched. So, and, and then the rest of the, uh, the customers that we have keep building market share. So we're feeling really good. We think we've, uh, we've built up and, and put that capacity in place that we need for at least the next uh, few quarters. Okay, that, that's helpful. And I guess on the same question, you know, given that sort of investment and infrastructure is in place now, and then you know it's probably set up to support more tier ones, um, should we kind of see a progression in terms of the operating margin and EBITDA margin expansion as we kind of look ahead over the next you know, 12, 24 months? Well, yeah, on title, listen, we continue to stay focused on, on our five-year targets. So, um, Richard, as you, as you probably know, that means 60 to 65% on that revenue and 50 to 55% on, on EBITDA. Now, we, we are doing it. There's still a lot of work uh, on the Tier 1s, so we'll stay focused on the long-term goal. We may fall slightly short of that, uh, especially around EBITDA in the short term, simply because of, the, the extra work that uh, that the team needs to put in as we we sort of build up that volume with some of these tier one and tier two big tier one and tier two players but but longer term the plan is to to continue to stay focused on that 50 to 55 percent on on EBITDA. okay and just the last one for me and apologize if you, if you touched on that during the call a little bit late uh, on the data initiatives here um you know the fact that you're very active obviously on the tier ones and the title side um is it sort of in conflict with uh, kind of pursuing these data initiatives or if you kind of come across, you know, the right opportunity that you've got the capacity to, to do both? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think we do, uh, Richard. We, we, we have the capacity, but to your point right now, we are incredibly focused on this tier one win and continuing to, to make sure we're moving that sales pipeline forward uh, in the title space. Appraisal, of course, we'll, we will continue to keep focused on, but but as you can see, it's it's uh, really pounding away. The machine's very well oiled on appraisal. So the, the definite short-term focus is title, making sure we, we continue down this Tier 1 journey that we've uh, we've laid out for folks. We continue to take a look uh, at the data opportunity, but, uh, but to your point, title is definitely taking up a, a lion's share of, of management's time right now. Okay, great. Congrats on that tier one win. Hey, Richard, thank you. Really appreciate it. Operator, can we please have the next question? Your next, your next question is from the line of Stephen Lai with Raymond James. Um, uh, thank you. 
Hey, Brian, um, on the, uh, so I'm going to keep you on title and tier one. <laughs> so your, the, the goal to triple your market share, how many tier ones do you need? Uh, so I'm actually going to turn that, that question, Stephen, over to Bill, because he'll tell us exactly what was modeled when we went through our, our five-year uh, outlook at Investor Day. Bill? Thanks, Brian. Uh, great questions to you. And I think when we when we were thinking long term, um, I'm sure that we've we've certainly got you know sort of four or five of the big tier ones in our in our plan through the 2025. All at varying uh, levels of market share, as you would expect, as you know as we've seen in in our appraisal business when they launch, you've got that sort of natural progression of uh, market share growing over periods of time. So not unlike our, our appraisal business, we, we expect and model the, the title business similarly in that you know, be at different stages of, of ramp with us as a, uh, as a trusted partner in title. So hopefully that answers your question. Okay, that's, that's helpful. And, and Brian, you referenced big tier twos. Do, do you call them big tier twos because um, they can have volume comparable to tier ones? Yeah, the lower end of tier ones, uh, Stephen. So some of the, the big players out there uh, in the, the tier two space, uh, some of them being non-lenders, th those folks do have uh, significant volumes. Okay, and how many of those are there, like the big tier twos? Uh, when we talk about tier twos, we're sort of talking about the top 25 uh, banks. So if you take the, the big six out, then I guess you're sort of talking about 19, 19, 20 other uh, tier two banks. Right, and so how many of those would you consider big tier twos? Uh, the top half, top half of the top half, pretty big. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. No problem. There are no further questions at this time. That concludes today's call. Thank you for joining. You may now disconnect. Thank you. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.